Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. First, let's meet the American League All-Star team. From the Tampa Bay Rays, Evan Longoria, Jason Bartlett, Carl Crawford, Ben Zilbrist, and Carlos Pena. Another payoff pitch. Set in the air to deep left field. Chasing Terrence Long back. He'll watch it fly. This one is gone. Carlos Pena gets his first major league home run. Pena hits a towering fly ball to left that carries and carries and carries and carries out of the ballpark. It's a home run. Carlos Pena unloads. And there's a high fly ball back into right field. That's got some carry to the wall. Gone. Home run for Carlos Pena here in the first on a 1-1 pitch. Pena hits number 46. There goes the runner. It's deep into right field. And Carlos Pena has a walk-off home run. Excuse me, Carlos. Yeah. Can I speak with you for a minute? Yeah. Hit and run with Matt Spiegel. Sundays, 9 a.m. to noon. <laughs> ah, it's a good job, Sean Anderson, on the open there. Just using that one little moment from Moneyball. Excuse me, Carlos, can I talk to you for a moment? Uh, as uh, as young, as, um, as, as the young uh, assistant general manager has to deliver bad news for the first time. But I don't believe that's true. I don't believe how that story went down is like it was portrayed in the movie. But it is hit and run right here on 670 The Score. I'm Matt Spiegel, your host. Pleased to welcome in from MLB Network and from the Marquee Sports Network. It is Carlos Pena right now on 670 The Score. Good morning, Carlos. Good morning, Matt. It's really a pleasure to join you this morning. Um, hey, and that was a very epic opening, I got to say. Right? It's like, well, I think that's, that's your life, man. That's your life. We had, had the first home run there in there for Texas. Had an all-star, um, all-star introduction from 2009, one of five Tampa Rays in that all-star game. Jason Bartlett gets a, uh, gets a mention here on Hit and Run. On, yeah. a, on a on yeah. a Sunday morning, uh, I, I dig it. And then and then that moment for Moneyball, and that's not how it went down, right? You were traded when you were in the minors, is that right, Carlos? Yes, yes. Look, let me tell you, the movie is a pretty good movie. It does uh, it does the job as far as telling the story of how sabermetrics got pretty much started uh, or started to be being applied on um, you know on a, on a bigger level, right there. That Oakland A's, you know, it was so simple. It was so funny because they were using 
the algorithm as far as how much do you get on base. That was the yeah. most important thing, uh, most important thing in, uh, in the organization. But, no, it did not go down that way. It, I was already in the minor leagues. Um, I just came back from playing in the infield. We got three outs. And when I went back out there, my manager goes, hey, wait a second. Wait a second. I'm like, what's going on? It's the sixth inning. I got to go out there. He's like, oh, no, you just got traded. So that's the way it really went down. Uh, You know, the the irony is, Carlos, that like what Billy Bean was after in terms of guys who hit for power and walk a lot and have the on-base percentage and not worrying about the batting average so much, you developed into exactly the kind of hitter that he should have wanted. I mean, those, those, those prime years in Tampa, you know, 2007 to 2009, you know, it's like high OPS, lots of walks, lots of homers, lots of ribbies. Like that's, you developed into a guy that he should have been in love with, don't you think? Yes, no, absolutely. Uh, I, I became exactly the type of player that he would have wanted in that ball club. But at that time, I was just a rookie, uh, 2002, just started playing as a regular in the big leagues after being traded uh, from the Oakland A's. It was crazy. I got traded with, you know, twice. In, in a matter of a year and a half, mm. um, and then eventually ended up with the Detroit Tigers uh, when I got traded from Oakland. But yes, I became a hitter that got on base a lot, even though I I did that in the minor leagues as, as well, uh, Matt. But mm. um, maybe maybe the Oakland A's had just different plans. They wanted the now um, immediate. You know, they didn't look into the future. It was more about let's do what we got to do right now. So. They did something very clever. They actually added two players, um, put them together. It was Giambi, uh, Jason Giambi's brother, um, and also Hatterberg together. Yeah, Jeremy. Together, they added up. Their on-base added up to be higher than mine. Hmm. So that, that was, that, in simple terms, that was pretty much it's not doing it justice because they were a little bit more sophisticated than that. But in simple terms, that was it. Later on, of course, you know, I ended up being that type of player, getting on base a lot and hitting home runs. I missed that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I bet. I bet. Um, I, I, how are you and your family doing during quarantine here, Carlos? I know three kids, right? Yes, uh, we, we're doing well. We're doing well. Uh, we're just trying to make sure that we seize the moment as far as, um, you know, obviously this is not good for the world. Uh, however, I think that if we come out of this, when we come out of this situation, and we haven't been changed or – we haven't grown. We haven't gotten stronger as a family, tighter as a unit. Um, then we wasted the difficulty. That's really tragic. You know, when you go through a difficult moment, hmm. um, through a crisis, and then at the end of the crisis, you're no better than you were before. So that's what we've been focusing on. I'm, I'm telling you, uh, homeschooling is not easy. <laughs> yeah, I know it. I know it, too. <laughs> Yeah, man. You know what I'm talking about, but um, yeah. yeah, we're doing we're doing well, and I appreciate you asking. Well, I love that uh, that mindset, and you've always you've always seemed to, every time I've had a chance to talk to you and or read interviews with you that 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 it's an opportunity. This crisis is an opportunity, depending on your situation. I mean, at my house, we're doing all sorts of different home projects and trying to concentrate on our relationships, and you know. Um, make the most of our time as as best we can. 
Um, it's, it's interesting the, the way that you're thinking about it, uh, that way. And it does not, does not surprise me. What, what do you, what do you miss most about the game? Not being a part of your life these days? I miss, I miss sitting on the balcony, sitting outside and just hearing like the sound of the game on the radio or on the TV or whatever, just kind of that rumbling quiet of a big crowd, that steady background that the game has always been for me for six months of every year. What's, um, tell me something you miss about the game right now, Carlos. Yeah, I think you hit a, the, the nail right on the head. Um, you know, as I, you, you're going to laugh at this because we just coincided very, 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 you know, almost to the exact uh, idea. Look, usually I'll sit here and I'll, I'll try to find uh, maybe some background video. You know, maybe it's just one of those relaxation videos and you just put out there, they, they throw pictures on the, on the TV and you hear the sounds of nature and a little bit of soothing music. Well, you know what I do? <laughs> I put out this, if you, if you go and you just put out the sounds of the game. So there's no narration. This is just the sounds of the game of baseball, the crowd, um, you know, crack of the bat, you know, when someone makes the third out and you hear the tempo of the game. That's my, my background relaxation noise. <laughs> so, Yes, I mean I miss the crack of the bat, you know. I, I miss uh, the, the way that the mitt pops, you know, when when um, when a pitcher throws a pretty good fastball, you know, um, and uh, the the strike call of a of a of a, an umpire, you know. And I've been out here in the backyard playing catch with my son, and you know, you'll hear me often say, "Hey, make that glove pop, make it pop. That's the most beautiful sound you can possibly hear." Like, he goes, no, Dad, it's the it's the crack of the bat. I'm like, yeah, you're right, but you have an aluminum bat, so there's no crack on that bat. It's just a pink. <laughs> but yeah, the sounds of the game, man. Uh, baseball's always been a constant at, in, in in American culture. So when you don't have that tempo, when you don't have that rhythm, that daily rhythm, it really throws a lot of people up, whether they realize it or not, because it's been in the background. Even if you're not a huge fan you know baseball's going on. You know, who won last night? Who's on yep. first place? Red Sox-Yankees. You know, um, yep. I know that's the Northeast uh, situation. So, um, <laughs> a very difficult moment, but, you know, baseball just sort of a, the heartbeat of this country. With, without a doubt. And a, and a companion sport, a companion to our lives for six or seven months every year. Carlos Peña is our guest right here on Hit and Run. Um, you grew up in the Dominican moved to Massachusetts at the age of 14. I imagine that was a crazy culture shock. And was baseball part of what made that more comfortable for you, transitioning from Dominican baseball culture to Massachusetts baseball culture? <laughs> yeah, that was rough. That was rough because, remember, I came, I came to the United States in the summer. So, mm. you know, I'm going around and I'm like, wow, this is pretty cool. You know, I'm here in Haverhill, Mass., and, I see the leagues are so well organized and baseball's going on, you know, loving, loving how, how much they love the game. But then something came. Winter. <laughs> that, that was it. <laughs> that, that was it. Uh, man, I was like, are you serious? I mean, what's, what's going on here? Like, I didn't bargain for this. Um, oh, you know, I see oh. the, 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 the leaves getting all colored and then all of a sudden snowstorms come in and, um, that was the end of baseball, so I had to really improvise and and play, you know, in practice in in basements, you know, setting up cages in the basement of the YMCA, for example. They allowed me to do that, 
Um, but remember what we talked about earlier, you know, those difficulties and challenges, I think, eventually made me a better, you know, player because I had to find ways to train. And I would take round balls in the middle of a, of a basketball court, and I would be diving and sliding everywhere. Hmm. Um, I would take batting practice in a racquetball court, you know, where the balls would be like bouncing off the walls, and my <laughs> father used to pitch batting practice. So think about it. I mean, it just makes you, it makes you better. It really does. Wow, I, lo- I love that idea. BP inside a racquetball court where it's just bouncing back and forth, <laughs> going around like crazy. You ever try to hit it the second time with the bat as it's yeah. on its way back? No. Listen, yeah, no, I never tried that. I mean, I should, that would have been a pretty good game. Now, listen <laughs> to this. Now, this is crazy. My dad yeah. used to take the hockey nets. So you get hockey nets from, you know, somewhere in the wide they had like the hockey, maybe it was rollerblade hockey in the basketball court. We used mm-hmm. to take those hockey nets and we put them sideways, and we made them into a sort of L screen. And we used to go into the racquetball courts, and he used to pitch racquetballs at me, which are smaller than the baseballs. Mm-hmm. And we would take batting practice for hours there. And guess what? We never lost the ball. <laughs> <laughs> right, you're not you're not, not hitting one, not hitting one out of the park. With um, what, a couple of shots, I'll tell you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what's what's something you remember like going? Wait a minute, people eat that or people do that like in Massachusetts like you're 14 15 years old I'm like what the hell are you people doing here in terms of uh like something they would eat or something they they would do at age 14 or 15 Carlos this is pretty funny uh but but it first started just with the mashed potatoes and and uh you know I'm like why 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 eat so much mashed potatoes and um and this is this is just in, in overall in the United States you know how yeah. much why the mashed potatoes so much, you know, and why the the macaroni and cheese, you know, uh, yeah. why, you know, what's going on? I, I never really, you know, that, that instant, uh, instant food, microwavable foods. And, and I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> you know, what's going on? Like, this is not normal. And then last but not least, a pretty funny story. Um, I got acquainted with the peanut butter and jelly sandwich, man. And I was like, Wow. Whoever invented this is an absolute genius. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is unbelievable. <laughs> oh, I love never that. Had it, which is funny. What, yeah. what 14, 15 year old kids never had a peanut butter jelly sandwich? Well, here he is, Carlos you. Pena. Yeah, that's who it was. <laughs> Carlos Pena introduced to PB and J. This is amazing. It's got a chance to take <laughs> off. Um, I love it. Um, uh, Carlos, when um, the. When did you realize that being mentally strong was a huge factor in baseball success? Because you've talked about this before, um, about just just being, and, and it's clear anytime we talk and for anybody who's hearing this now, just how how focused you are and how you work to stay positive, and you always did during your career. When did you realize that that was such a big deal in baseball? Because I think it's a bigger deal in baseball than than almost every other sport, because there's more failure in baseball than almost any other sport. Yeah, you know, and, and um, I appreciate you bringing this up. I, I from a very, very, very young age, it wasn't like I just rolled into the park and started hitting. You know, it wasn't like that. It wasn't like that. I mean, I used to go to Little League, and um, I used to struggle in Little League. And uh, that was so encouraging, because even though I would, like, foul tip a ball or maybe hit a line drive, but it was foul ball, because I was late to, to every pitch, mm-hmm. um, my dad would be like, wow, son, that was 
that was an amazing foul ball, man. You absolutely crushed that foul ball. And he used to celebrate my foul ball. So even though maybe my, my, in my mind I'm like, okay, I failed, there was something encouraging. Like, like I felt like it was coming. It was coming. So it made me show up again. So, you know, message to dads to always keep encouraging your kids. doesn't mean that you say you're doing something right when it was wrong. It's just about encouragement, you know, and dad was right there to do so. So it, it kept me going, kept me going until finally, Matt, I, I started hitting uh, because I put in a lot of work. I used to hit all these popcorn kernels uh, in my backyard until finally um, it clicked and I just became a good hitter from then on out. Um, but, yes, I, I believe in baseball. The ability to be able to endure failure, to endure pain, you know, it's, uh, it's very, very, very important. So as I went through all my high school years, you know, college years, I, you know, pretty much uh, took it upon myself to say I can, you know, my, my, my mind is going to be stronger than anyone else's. So I'm basically not going to have any competition. So I would have served, I would have served um, other young players and I would see what they would be interested in. I'm like, okay, I see that everybody else is interested in, in um, playing PlayStation. Hey man, that's great. That's pretty cool. Back in there was uh, Sega Genesis or Nintendo or, you know, whatever it was when we were younger. And I would be like, okay, <clears throat> while they're playing Sega Genesis, I'm going to go run laps. Oh, what a great idea. What a great idea. While they're playing Sega Genesis, I'm going to take some dry swings in the back. So I had this mentality from a young kid that's like, okay, I will do what no one else is willing to pay. You know, I, I will do what anyone else is willing to do. So I'll pay, you know, what anyone else is not, my competition is not willing to pay. So in college, it was the same way. And we wake up like at 4 a.m. or 5 a.m. And, uh, and work out and then go to class. I'm like, all of my teammates were, you know, sleeping. Or maybe all of the college players in the, in the whole entire country were sleeping while I was working out. So I used to think that way. I, I, I want to go back and give that young kid a hug, you know, because mm. um, it's, it's pretty cool. And when I got to the plate, I was like, you know what, this pitcher on the mound, he didn't eat the way I ate. You know, he didn't, he didn't work out the way I worked out. So even if he's more talented than I am, he didn't work as hard as I did. So he should be defeated. Like, he should be defeated. And, <laughs> and, and that was it. So that was my mentality, man. That was crazy. Like, to think back. At that young man, you know, uh, thinking that way, um, it's it's right on, you know. So so it's always been like in, in the fabric of I think of our family to to really just go the extra mile. So it's not about talent per se; it's more about you know perseverance and tenacity and what are you willing to sacrifice? What are you willing to set forth in order to attain your goal? See that that's the special stuff. That, that's the stuff. And, and I guess you got it. I'm sure you've thought about it, where it comes from, whether it comes from your dad, but maybe it comes from something inside you that wanted that, that you started driving yourself. Um, maybe it was wanting to, to, to fit in and be strong in Massachusetts all of a sudden put there as a 14 or 15 year old kid. But wherever that came from, that's the gold. And when we scout players in any sport, Carlos, talent is one thing. But having that mindset, that focus, and that kind of confidence, even if it's irrational confidence, you need it. You need it to be great. And that's the stuff I wish we could scout it more easily or find, uh, find a way to, to teach it better. I, I be, I, can you try to teach it to your kids? Can you try to pass that yes. on? Yes, I, I, I do make an attempt to, to pretty much teach 
you know, that, that sort of resiliency, right? That, that despite uh, the sting of the blade, you know, uh, I, I tell the story um, uh, to my kids that in the Orient, you know, young bulls, you know, when they, when they are going to the fight arena, they test them, they prick them with a lance. And, and, and the way that they know how brave these uh, bulls are, it's how many times they still charge forward despite the sting of the blade. And I try to tell these stories to kind of like relate to my kids, but, um, but it, it's a little bit more difficult uh, uh, simply because of the circumstances surrounding us. You know, um, obviously, you know, they are, we are as a family more established than my mom and dad were when yeah. we arrived in the United States. So it's very difficult for me to paint a picture of them like, hey, man, you know, you're going to be living in an attic. You know, imagine that you're in an attic. Imagine that you're sleeping in a, in a, in a you know, the whole entire family sleeping on a, on a mattress, on an attic with no heat in the middle of the winter. Like, I can't put that in their minds because it's not a reality for them. I don't even think they're able to imagine it, maybe slightly. You know, so eventually what happens is, you know, maybe your, the difficulties that we had growing up and adapting to the new culture and going through some difficult times helped me, um, you know, motivate me where maybe my kids that are now, you know, you know, well comfortable, you know, how do you teach them to fight for their dreams and to have that hunger? That's a lot harder for us, uh, uh, Matt, because see, eventually what happens is our ceiling becomes our kids floor. So how do you, how do you keep on motivating them? I mean, that, that's the ultimate for a father is actually to, to be able to, to make sure that you are a stepping stone so that they keep, keep, they can keep going and, keep on projecting forward, but it's a lot easier said than done. Trust me, I'm, I'm, I'm working on it on a daily basis and I, I want to make sure I'm, I do a good job as a father. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's the stuff right there. Carlos Pena with us here on hit and run. Um, our ceiling becomes their floor. I'm reminded of, and, and Carlos is, um, working uh, these days over at Marquee Sports uh, Network, uh, as am I sometimes, Carlos. So I, I look forward to working with you on something uh, over there. I saw you and Dan Plesak doing trivia against each other, which was, was, <laughs> was great. I, I want to bring, bring that up in a moment. But, but I bring up the Cubs and Marquee because, you know, Chris Bryant just had his son. And, and congratulations to Chris Bryant. But he's, he told us, he told this radio station um, – a few weeks ago at spring training that he didn't want his son to play baseball because his dad drove him and taught him and all Chris had to do to beat what his dad had done was make the big leagues because his dad didn't and Chris made the big leagues. But what would Chris Bryant's son have to do? Be better than rookie of the year and MVP and World Series champion? So he doesn't want to put that on his son. Isn't that interesting? His ceiling has, you know, he doesn't want that ceiling to be his child's floor. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it depends. You know, I think when we talk about the, our, our ceiling becoming our kid's floor, I mean it more in the sense of, you know, now they have a very sound solid foundation from them to spring from. Yes. Um, not necessarily to accomplish exactly what we have. You know, sometimes I'll hear my son say, Dad, um, you know, I want to be like you. And, I, and obviously that's a, it's a huge compliment. I'm like, son, while you say that, this is what I, you know, you know, he says that. And then, you know, I go in a corner and I say, God, please help me be the man my son sees me as. Mm. So, you know, because at the end of the day, I know that the way that our kids see us is, is through, through this filter, and they look at us as if we were heroes, but 
they don't necessarily know our weaknesses. They don't necessarily know uh, um, our limits, you know. Um, and I try to remind them. It's like, no, you know, dad, dad went through some very difficult times. I made a very, very, very many poor choices. So otherwise I wouldn't be able to teach you unless I was there, you know, I'm failing, falling, and then getting back up. So um, I want you to be just the best version of you. I want you to be better than the guy that you were yesterday, I tell my sons and my daughter, mm-hmm. right? So it's parenting, I got to say, that, that's got to be the biggest challenge Oh my goodness! I've ever faced. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm right there with you. One time, I told my son after he had been crying at the doctor's office, Carlos, you'll appreciate this. He'd been crying, didn't want to get his shots, right? And it was terrible. I ended up having to hold him down and and hold his arms while they gave him the shot. At the end of the night, as I was putting him to bed, I said, "Ruben, you were very brave today." And he looked at me and he said, "No, I wasn't." <laughs> so, yeah, you can't you can't blow smoke up their butts they know it they know if you're lying you know 100 percent 100 percent you know they're very clever you know and, and and maybe 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 we were a little bit more more gullible i guess yes. when we were younger but these kids nowadays and they'll come no, right man. back at you like wait a second no yeah. i was um, not yeah, I, I was not. The whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I was terrified. Um, my favorite moment from that trivia contest with you and Plesak was when you were asked who you homered off most in your career. And it's an amazing answer. Tell, tell people who you homered off most in your entire career. It's a pretty damn good picture. It was, it was Lester. How it was is that Lester. possible? How is lefty, exactly. lefty? What are you doing? Thank you. Exactly. So, so then what, what's funny is like, look, I said, okay, Pettit, you know, Lester, you know, there has to be some of those two. And, and as I'm saying this, I'm almost like, what? What do you mean? <laughs> I mean, these guys are, you know, Hall of Fame caliber pitchers. And here you are saying that you homered against them the most. And of course, it was verified, you know, Lester, um, you know, I gave, you know, I hit against them, the, the, the most home runs against them. And people scratching their heads. I'm like, how can you hit lefty, lefty, uh, Hall of Fame caliber pitchers and do extremely well against them? It's like, you know, now that's a great question for me. So my answer to that was, man, maybe I should have focused just as intensely to the ones that were, you know, the number three, the number four, the the French pitchers, if there's anything (laughs) to be called the French pitcher. You're in the big leagues, you're pretty good, but you know what I mean. Yeah. What, yeah. was, what, what happened? Did I, like, let up against, like, the number threes and number fours and number fives? Yeah. Uh, and, and then really focused on the number ones and number twos? But, yeah, I don't know. I think it has something to do, you know, if, if you want to get scientific about it, um, I think it has something to do with cadence. And, and those, you know, another guy was, um, you know, all, all these lefties that have those very deliberate uh, movements uh, mm. to the plate. Um, I did well. You know, Lester had one of those. Um, Pettis certainly has a very slow, um, you know, big delivery to the plate. So their cadence match well with mine, with my rhythm. That is the best answer I can give you. I think it's pretty much right on um, uh, because timing is everything. Now, those guys are like quick pitching and and they don't don't let me breathe. They just kind of like sidestep and I, it, it was tough. <laughs> it was tough for me to to hit those guys. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that that's interesting. Well, that's a whole other realm of conversation, Carlos. I could talk to you for hours, man. I, I really appreciate it. And let's 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 talk some hitting 
um, next time. And uh, but but best to you and your family. Keep doing what you're doing and uh, stay safe, stay sane, and and hopefully we get some baseball uh, in 2020. That would be nice. Speaks is a is truly a pleasure to come on this afternoon with you. Uh, it's 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 already afternoon. Yeah. Oh, not yet, not yet, <laughs> not yet. Close but uh, yeah, man, always a pleasure. Please just let me know. We'd love to come back on and talk a little ball with you. Talk a little hitting. Sounds good. Sounds good to me. Carlos, thank you so much. Thanks for the time and be well. All right, my man. Take care. You got it. That's Carlos Pena. Yeah. Oh, not yet. Not yet. (laughs) Not yet. But uh, yeah, man, always a pleasure. Please just let me know. We'd love to come back on and talk a little ball with you. Talk a little hitting. Sounds good. Sounds good to me. Carlos, thank you so much. Thanks for the time and be well. All right, my man. Take care. You got it. That's Carlos Pena. He's terrific, isn't he? One of my favorite guys to talk to in baseball. Um, you'll see him at MLB Network, and you see him over at Marquee Sports Network as well. And we really just scratched the surface on uh, on baseball, on mentality, um, on Dominican culture. So, um, Sean, let's get him on again uh, down the road. He's the best. Um, Sean Anderson is the producer back at the shop, keeping things rolling and staying safe there. I am Matt Spiegel. This is Hit and Run. It's also a little bit of bump and run. This morning as we talk some NFL, which we will do in a few moments with our man Mark Grody, the hardest working man in score business. That guy is next talking Bears draft. Jason Benetti at the top of the hour right here on 670 to score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Fakes the throw, in trouble, to the back of the end zone. Caught by Clement for the touchdown. It didn't work as it was drawn up, but it worked. I'm not even sure Clement was the intended receiver. I don't think so either. I agree with you. Oh, hi, Mark. Here he is, the hardest working man in score business. It is Mark Grody. Of 670 The Score, you hear him everywhere. Did a great job with Hub Arkish yesterday for five hours from 11 to 4. 
and the NFL Draft is now in the books. Mark Grody joins us on the Alpimani Ford Hotline right here on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. I am your host, Matt Spiegel. By the way, this hour of The Score is brought to you by 90NorthShomburg.com. Mark Grody, good morning. How you doing, man? I am doing well, and I am guessing, Maddie, that that play made by Cole Komet, just played by Sean Anderson, was against Georgia, in which Cole Komet had nine catches, 108 yards, and a touchdown. This coming back after missing two games because of injury and a broken collarbone. That's a big game. It's a big moment in uh, in his life, and a big moment in his life this weekend as he is drafted by the hometown team. How how cool is that? And how how much fun, how infectious was his energy and excitement of being drafted by the Bears, kid who grew up in Arlington Heights, whose dad played for the Bears in the 90s for a little while as well. A lot of times, Matt, when somebody is from Chicago or from whatever city and they play for their hometown team, you never get a true sense if they truly were a fan of the team. They, of course, have to say they were a fan of the team. And, yeah, I grew up rooting for them. But it feels like Cole Komet is true Bears meathead, as is the rest of the family, like an actual true fan. Like, he didn't he didn't stumble. I asked him, like, who? okay, who were your favorite players growing up? Of course, he said Greg Olson, tight end, who still plays in the league, making us all feel old, uh-huh. uh, no matter how young you might be. And then, of course, the correct answer, uh, Erlacher as well, was one of his favorite players. And then, you know, his family was all pumped up that he was going to the Bears, and I asked him, too, which family member was most excited, trying to find out who's the biggest, you know, Bears meathead in the family. And again, he gives the right answer. He said his mom, because his mom is happy that his son will be playing close to home and he won't be traveling all over the place. So, yeah, I think it's cool. I think that for some players, it's nerve-wracking to play in front of the home crowd, but I did not get the feeling that Cole Komet is the least bit spooked about that idea of playing in front of Bears fans. I'm um, I'm disappointed that Trey Burton has been released, and I'll tell you why. Because right now they sit one shy of being to field, uh, being able to field an entire offense of nothing but tight ends. They've, <laughs> they've, they've got ten. They've got ten. Mark in Ben Broniker, Darian Clark, Jimmy Graham, Demetrius Harris, J.P. Holtz, Jesper Horstead, Cole Komet, Dax Raymond, <laughs> Eric Saubert, and Adam Shaheen. And if Burton was oh. still here. Can you imagine the full tight end offense that could come your way? It would, <laughs> it would be awesome. It would be, It'd be like, huge. It would be like the, it would be like what the kickers were last year. All right, we're gonna have the tight ends on their own field this year uh-huh. in the Lake Forest version of training camp. If you would like, because last year was like okay, they would march the media over to the kicker field, or yeah. you could stay at the field at large. This, ladies and gentlemen is your zoo of the tight end field. <laughs> so who would be the quarterback amongst those guys? Um, I, I can see Jesper Horstead volunteering to play center. Like, all right, I got it. I got it. No worries. Oh, yeah. Mike. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, well, well, and, you know, Trey Burton would have been the guy at quarterback. Oh, because yeah. He, you know, had some well, experience in that, in that area. But there you go. It just adds to your disappointment on Trey Burton not being back. Um, Adam Shaheen going to get cut fairly soon. And, and just overall, I guess the focus on the tight end is, I mean, it's good to get one, but it feels it's throwing good money after bad. There's been some bad money thrown around, and they're just, they are committed to solving the tight end thing because I don't think they believe this offense can function without the right guy there. 
Yeah, usually the way it works in the NFL is you throw money in free agency after mistakes. It's what all 32 teams in the NFL do, and to some degree they did by the signing of Jimmy Graham, but then they doubled down and take, took what was the Bears' most valuable draft pick at number 43 overall and grabbed Komet. Um, so when they signed Jimmy Graham, I, I was on the air with Hub Arkish on that night as well, and it was met with almost 100% negativity based on the $9 million that they guaranteed him, and I get it. It, it was a bit of a head scratcher, but the one thing that I said, Matt, during that whole time, during that night and therefore, was that there has to be something else coming. And then they, of course, they released Trey Burton, and then you really connected the dots to this happening with Cole Komet coming on board. So I think, I hope at least this settles down the Bears fans who are pissed off that they signed Jimmy Graham and put their resources into it because it suggests and what we kind of already knew, and that's that they were not going to center their entire tight end room around Jimmy Graham. I mean, that's just unrealistic at the age of 33 and considering that he hasn't been great over the last few years, or at least he hasn't been New Orleans' version of Jimmy Graham. So, yeah, of course, Matt, it's too bad that they've had to do it. And, yes, I do believe that uh, Adam – I'd be surprised if Adam Shaheen – is on the roster when the Bears do start playing football, hopefully in the second week of September for real. Uh, but but we'll see. They've got, they've got they've got some paring down to do for sure. Um, last year, the Chiefs ran 508 plays with one running back and two tight ends. The Eagles ran 299 plays with one running back and two tight ends. The Bears ran 88 plays with running back and two tight ends. And all three of those teams overall ran around the same number of plays, around 1,000 plays, Mark. So I think you're going to see a ton more plays in what they call the 12 personnel with the one running back and two tight ends. Komet and Jimmy Graham can live together on the same offensive line, well, or the same offense as either one of them could be lined out as a wide receiver or a slot guy, essentially. Absolutely. I mean, I think that, you know, this is this is what Matt Nagy, the way when he came to the Bears, this is the way he saw things. He didn't want it to go to to the 88 plays that you just outlined right there. And yeah, and you have obviously the the key guys. And and now this also, with the signing of Cole Komet and you have Jimmy Graham and you have Demetrius Harris, it kind of puts the other guys in proper perspective now because you did, I liked what Jesper Horstead did last year. There was some good development. He definitely had some, some really great moments last year, but mm-hmm. now you could say, all right, he's a developing tight end. And, and if he is still on the up, that's great. Um, same thing with like, you don't want JP Holtzbeegs was their leading tight end last year in ter- terms of receiving yards. You don't want that. It puts him back in perspective as a good blocker, a guy you can line up at fullback as well. Even Ben Broniger to a lesser degree. You know that he's not going to be a guy that's going to get a whole ton of snaps, but it puts him back in perspective as well. And then even a guy like Dax Raymond, who I thought Dax Raymond was going to be a guy that was going to be the Jesper Horstead last year, where I thought Dax Raymond was going to get the first crack to come off the bench if it got down to that. But now you have a, a solid bench of developing guys instead of guys that you are depending on, which you never wanted last year. We're going to have some time here to talk about all these picks, and I'm looking forward to it with our guy Mark Grody. You're listening to Hit and Run, or perhaps it's Bump and Run this morning on 670 The Score. Maybe Run and Shoot. And in that case, I would be run and you would be shoot um, at this moment. All right, cool. Um, Jalen Johnson, hard worker, a familial defensive back tree, kind of like Kyle Fuller, right? He's like his dad was a corner, his uncle was a corner. And I love this from Jalen Johnson, quote, honestly, I'm a baller. 
I'm a real strong competitor. I never shy down from competition. He's coming in with a chip on his shoulder because of where he was drafted due to the shoulder injury. And I think the Bears got a first-round caliber talent at number 50 with Jalen Johnson. What do you think? Yeah, and, and I think, Matt, that he will be the starter opposite of Kyle Fuller. There's going to be some learning. There's going to be a little bit of development. Um, he's got to figure some things out. But... Look, they, they had an interesting offseason at cornerback. I like Trey Roberson. It's a good story out of the CFL. He went to Illinois State, where I went, where he was a quarterback, and then he turns into what is a pretty good cornerback. Um, Artie Burns, former first-round pick. Kevin Tolliver, who I like as well, got in a little bit. It felt like he might be the heir apparent to Prince of Mukamara, but I just wasn't comfortable with any of those guys as your slam-dunk starter. I think that Jalen Johnson immediately becomes the most talented cornerback on that roster except for Kyle Fuller so I believe at this point it would be an upset if if he wasn't a starter and and I agree with you too man he he, he was very respectful of the Bears he's you know blessed that the Bears drafted him but he hated he hated the fact that he became a second round pick and it had a lot to do with the the shoulder surgeries he's had three shoulder surgeries since high school one on the right side two on the left including playing with a torn right labrum all of last year and that's the key here Matt he's only missed one game in the last uh, two years because of those shoulder injuries you mm. still have to be a little bit worried about it and you don't just put it away but it sure feels like he's been able to play through it and not only play through it but play through it at a very high level as the Bears A-plus name offseason continues Barkevius Mingo get to the seventh round and take Arlington Hambright, who I believe wears an ascot and is allowed to steer his father's yacht every once in a while. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that what he sounds like? Arlington Hambright, the yeah. third. Um, and Lechevious Simmons. But let's talk about Kindle Vildor, the, the cornerback that they took in round five. That is, he's a captain at Georgia Southern, described as emotional but smart fearless, instinctual, a better junior year than his senior year. But what do we make of Kendall Vildor's chance to be a, a long-term answer at cornerback, potentially? Yeah, I think long-term would be the, the right way to phrase it, Matt, because I think Ken, uh, Kendall Vildor is going to probably his best chance to, to make the team and, and contribute on the team next year is going to be in a, in a special teams uh, type of way. I think that you know, eventually he fits in. But there's some other guys that are still on the roster, like last year's late-round pick, Duke Shelley, who got on the field a little bit last year, but for the most part, um, he was not a part of what the Bears were doing. But I know, obviously, they like Duke Shelley and what he might be possible, uh, might be capable of. But Duke Shelley, though, at the NFL level, is probably more of an inside guy, slot guy, whereas at least they're saying... Uh, Kendall Vildor is just as capable of playing on the outside as he is on the inside. They have another prospect, too. The Bears do their seventh-round pick last year um, in um, Stephen Denmore. And he, he's a guy who was injured all of, uh, of last year. Big, tall kid, but you know he's somebody that they invested a draft pick in as well. So there might be a little bit of a lineup for those depth spots, but I'm, I'm curious as to see how they use Vildor if they do on special teams. Um, the Trevis Gibson, the edge rusher from Tulsa, described as mean, explosive energy, like adrenaline overload. This guy loves contact, kind of raw, 
But um, what 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 do you think about Travis Gibson and and what what's his likely spot? Like, does he have a shot to be that number three edge rusher behind uh, the newly acquired Robert Quinn and of course Khalil Mack? It's going to be tough because I know Isaiah Irving is still on the roster, and that's a guy that they they like and have have gotten flashes from. Um, so I think there's going to be some challenges for Gibson in that regard. I mean, he he. It's got all the parts to him. I mean, 6'4", 268, did have eight sacks last year. And, you know, they, they he was the first guy that they traded up for. So, obviously, they like him. But he, he sure looks like, to me, a guy in watching his highlights and his film at, at Tulsa that there's still some work that needs to be done on this level before you're going to throw him out there and actually be a, a real contributor on game day. I imagine he'll get some long looks during the preseason games, assuming that there are preseason games. Um, so it's gonna, it'll be interesting to see where he fits in as far as going after the quarterback. I love this. He went to Von Miller's pass rush summit. I didn't know Von Miller had one, by the way, which is They all have awesome. a summit, Matt. Come on. <laughs> you know, I'm going to need a list. Sean Anderson, can you give me a list of every <laughs> every draft, pre-draft summit that these guys sure. have in the offseason? Summits and camps and all sorts. You know, everybody's got one. If you've been well, in the league remember, for seven or more years, you got a camp or a summit. There's remember the uh, Matt Kinzer uh, summit <laughs> speech. <laughs> the, the punter. See, here's the thing. Remember Chris Carter used to be the guy that trained all the wide receivers? And then sure. Michael Irvin started doing it. Brandon Marshall started doing it. I love that Von Miller did this. But listen to this quote from Gibson about what he learned at Von Miller's pass rush summit okay mm-hmm. i learned a lot of things there basically took my pass rush to another level took my run defense to another level i learned how to break down film more i think overall i showed an upside of my game learned how to watch film how to take care of my body better different pass rush techniques had to go speed to power power to speed just a whole lot of tips i feel like have helped me how about that so he's learning already from the film that that you've seen and we're talking about in college, he's already learned a lot at the Von Miller Pass Rush Summit. If he can be taught, he's got some traits. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you bring him in there, and if he is – and obviously most of these guys that are drafted late, they, they, don't, they can't afford to not sit in the front of the classroom and listen very closely to what the coaches are saying. Uh, but the fact that he, he sounds very earnest in his learning um, with Von Miller, who's obviously an awesome guy to have learned from, then that would portend well for the Bears for sure with somebody like uh, Travis Gibson. And, you know, Matt, one of the things that they said and that you believed that Ryan Pace said before this draft started was that they were that more than ever, he stressed the idea of going after guys with high football IQs because of the lack of an offseason program, that you have to get guys that they think can pick things up a little bit more quickly that, yeah, of course, guys from the fifth round on are probably going to be considered more project or developmental guys, but maybe a little bit less so this year because you just can't afford to have guys that can't to some degree pick things up a little bit more quickly. Only got time for one more, Mark. Uh, tell me what you thought about the two seventh-round offensive linemen, Lachivia Simmons, Arlington Hambright, and and uh, are both of them going to be looked at as guards, even though one, I know at least one was a tackle in college? Yeah, yeah, Arlington Hambright was a tackle in, uh, in college at Colorado. It's going to be tough. I mean, they're seventh-rounders in terms of making the team. They'll get a chance to compete. Of course, the, the one comp that exists on the Bears is Charles Leno Jr., the Bears' starting left tackle, who was a seventh-rounder. Um, and then I also think about my guy, Jay 
Hilgenberg, a seven-time Pro Bowl center who was not drafted in the NFL. So there's comps here and there, success stories in the late rounds for offensive line. But, yeah, it's going to be a challenge for both of those guys to either make the roster or to be active on it. But it was it was nice to see the Bears finally go after a couple of offensive linemen, albeit late in the draft, but that certainly is a position of need, at least for the sake of uh, depth right now. All right, Mark, when can people hear you again, aside from all the time? Check it out, Spiegel. Solo Grody Show tonight. Awesome. Um, it, yeah, it'll be happening after our replay, our Bears classic replay at noon, which is the Bears clinching against the Packers at Soldier Field two years ago. I'll be on right after that. So probably right around 4 o'clock until 7 o'clock tonight. Very, very cool. Mark, thank you so much, brother. Appreciate it. Thanks, Speaks. See you, man. Yeah, you got it. That's Mark Grody. So you heard it. Today at noon, Bears-Packers from 2018 when they clinched the division. And then after that, it'll be Mark Grody right here on The Score. Coming up, Jason Benetti, the White Sox broadcaster and general bon vivant, will join us at the top of the hour. And then Eric Edholm at about 11.40 as we wrap up towards Hit and Run, leading you up towards that Bears Sunday at noon. It's Matt Spiegel here with you on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 